everyone welcome back to culture bucket for uh one of our special episodes um different formats being tried out and tested in culture bucket at the moment so always please do let us know what you think today we're going to be doing our first sort of deep dive into a season of television which is exciting um can't be done on my own obviously it would be uh excruciating um and and just (laughs) terrible so with me is uh, my co-host alex who will be helping me to dissect the first season of hbo's the white lotus so say hello please alex. hi everyone hi george how are you hi, today alex. how are you doing i'm good oh, i'm oh, good no, ah. we have to start again ah. i'm good okay I'm great. hi everyone welcome back to Bucket. <laughs> this is the white lotus episode with me is what? alex hi alex what are you doing? Because you said because we said how are you at the same time. But it doesn't it, it matter. Was, we need to start. It. No, it's not. <laughs> wrong with you? It's not a professional way to begin. Oh, are so you being Alex, serious? How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Excited to talk about the white lotus. Lotus. Excited to, to talk about the white the lotus. White lotus. White lotus. Um, excited to have a new format. Yeah, very good. How are you? Um, I am. Brilliant. I'm excited for us to be trying out this new format. It's something we haven't really done before, but, you know, it's good to try new things and try different things, etc., etc. So, yes. Why not? Why the heck not? So, um, should we get into it? Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So, uh, the year is 1977. Everyone in the world is excited for the third outing of Roger Moore as James Bond. And as always, with any Bond film, it's all about the car. And in The Spy Who Loved Me, released in 1977, the world got its look at the underwater driving White Lotus Esprit. And oh my word, it was incredible. Alex, what did you make of this car? I have no idea <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> I thought we were doing a special on the White Lotus from This Why You Love Me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to do a white special. A white special, a special on <laughs> <laughs> on a car. Is there a car called the White Lotus? White Lotus. Well, there's a, he drives a Lotus Esprit in the in the film, and it's white. I thought when you said you wanted to do the White Lotus, I assumed you meant. Um, just a second, I need to open for my cat. Middle. <laughs> you need quitting. Hey. I forgot that Lotus is also a car. Yeah, look, look, look. Well, you can't. No, people can't see on audio. Oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a white Lotus. 
Yeah, I forgot there's also a car called Lotus. I, I completely... I, I Also, I never actually thought about Lotus and Lotus. I mean, the car <laughs> and... <laughs> I guess I'm a bit the, rusty. The name of the car is nev- the name of the flower. Yeah, I never, I never put them together. I just thought of Lotus the car, Lotus the flower. But I guess if we check out the Lotus logo, is it our Lotus flower? I have no idea. Does that car company even exist anymore? Yeah. Uh, no, it's not a flower. <laughs> it's a green triangle with the word lotus inside it. Yeah, it is not a lotus. But yeah, some people still drive um, lotuses now. Low tie, I think you'll find it's pronounced. Low tie. Low tie. <laughs> and that's where the British rapper got his name, Slow Tie. It all connects. Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> of course it's not. Oh, God. Today is going to be an interesting episode. I can feel it. I think it. Slow Tyche got his name because he's he's called Tyrone. And then I think in school he was often thought of as being, um, I don't know if unintelligent is the word, but he didn't talk very quickly or something. So, Slow tie. Oh, anyway. Poor. It's not nice. Poor little Slow tie. Yeah. No, no. But um, just a little bit of fun to get us to break the ice there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what we're actually here to discuss is um, the American satirical comedy drama series uh, created, written and directed by Mike White, who you may know from things such as School of Rock. Yeah. You know, I never thought about it. Jack Black. Oh, yeah. And Mike White. Both acted in School of Rock. Well, I don't. Yeah, well, actually, no, he did act in School of Rock. He was his housemate, but I never thought about black and white. They were both, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty fun, isn't it? It is pretty fun. He also uh, wrote School of Rock. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it. And he also wrote Orange County, which was another Jack Black movie. I guess he's good friends with Jack Black. Yeah. Which, uh, which, yeah, makes sense. Black and white. They go so well together. Jack White as well. Ah, oh, good stuff. Wonderful. I love it. Um, oh, he wrote the Emoji movie. That's a problem. Hmm. Never mind. We'll, we'll move on. So, um, yeah. So, The White Lotus comes from Mike White and uh, is um, essentially a season of television chronicle- chronicling a week's holiday at the very, very exclusive White Lotus Resort uh, mm-hmm. in Hawaii and follows um, a collection of ex- exceptionally privileged people um, and um, the havoc that they wreak on uh, the staff of the hotel. I, well, we, we'll talk more about what we think of the White Lotus, I guess, at the end of our uh, discussion. But um, what did you think? Uh, what were you expecting before you watched it, Alex? What were you expecting going into the White Lotus? Um. Well, we we had discussed it before in the podcast, so you kind of gave me an idea of uh, um, there was going to be something about you know uh, simple human drama, which it is not simple. It is. It, it is no. Yeah, it's and much these people deeper. are not humans. And these people are not humans. Well, unfortunately, they are humans. 
Well, I guess I guess they are. I just don't like to think of people like that existing, but I guess they do. Um, but uh, so yeah, I guess. But I'll yeah. There's there's a little bit of them in all of us. I've realised. Yeah, yeah, that might be true. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I will never, I will never stay at the white lotus. No, um, absolutely. But if you if you look at the characters, you don't you kind of like and dislike so dislike all of them at some point in the in the during the six episodes and i feel With maybe one exception there's one character i didn't like at any single yeah point. uh but i feel like all of them have doubts and uh some kind of um I like anybody, but also like for example, if you if you get done for and you all you think you are getting done for, for example, a bill or a hotel room in this case, uh, or yeah. then you will in a way react like people are on purpose going against you, even though it might have been just human error. You take things very personally, so I feel like yeah. anything that maybe we hate about any of these characters because there's an array of characters in this uh, series. Um, I feel like maybe we, it could be seen as a bit of society everywhere. We all kind of um, privileged in our own rearm. Rearm? Uh, rearm. Um, world. Right. But maybe I'll, I'll, uh, maybe I'll, um, I'll go into it a little bit later more yeah that's fair um the white lotus was filmed at the four seasons hotel in hawaii which can run you anywhere from 750 dollars a night to four thousand dollars a night how many four thousand wow (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine spending that much money on a on a hotel room like i couldn't imagine spending that much money on an entire holiday that's just your hotel room though yeah for like, a single night a, a night yeah four thousand oh, dollars a wow. night <laughs> yeah. wow. i don't think i even spend that much money on a holiday like a two-week holiday somewhere no i would no i couldn't no yeah i can't <laughs> afford it wow um so but it is all inclusive yeah well sure but I mean, it doesn't really matter when it's like you'd yeah. good. It should be all inclusive at that price. Mm. Um uh, so 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 shall we go through the characters that we're gonna meet during our yeah. stay at the White Lotus? So let's start with um I mean this is an ensemble show, there isn't a main character, but if we sort of consider the the overall vibe of this show being about the guests wreaking havoc on the people that work at the hotel the main character could most closely be considered to be armand yeah i guess he's the character that connects everyone everybody knows him everybody everybody interacts with him yeah definitely yeah because we largely stay separate we've got like our kind of there's the mossbacker family Mm. there's the newlyweds Mm. there's the um there's jennifer coolidge doing her own mad thing yeah Um, yeah and they don't really interact with each other that much there's a bit of crossover throughout but the thing that sort of connects everyone together is um is the white lotus personified in its resort manager um armand played by murray bartlett an australian actor who 
looking him up has been in a ton of stuff, mm. like an absolute ton of stuff. He's going to be in the um, Last of Us show, which is coming out uh, next year from HBO, which is, is going to be kind of potentially the next Game of Thrones, the sort of huge... I think it's already gone down as the most expensive, te- one of the most expensive television seasons ever produced. Is uh, that the one from the video bit... game? Yes, it is the one ah, from okay. the video game. So it, um, but if there's anything, if there's a, if there's any video game that could produce, uh, you know, prestige tra- television, it's it's probably is the Last of Us. So he's going to be in that. He's not starring in it particularly, but he's going to be in that. But he's been in tons and tons and tons mm. of stuff over the years. But yeah. I've never particularly picked him out in anything before. No. Which is amazing in a way, because let me tell you, he is incredible in mm. The White Lotus. Yeah. I am very much in favour of Armand in this ser- in this series. Maybe not in favour of Armand's choices and what he does, <laughs> but in terms of the performance yeah. and watching yeah. him kind of... Yeah attempt to placate the absolutely titanic egos that are parading around in his hotel mm. uh he's all any scene that he's in is always entertaining what did you make of armand upon like your initial meeting of him we first sort of see him waiting on the beach to meet his uh his latest batch of babies well he knows exactly what's going to come to him he knows exactly what he, he cl- his clientele is and it's not necessarily well, it's not what well, he kind of knows that he has to. Uh, at one point, he says that he um, he tells one of the other workers that he, they he has to treat these uh, guests as special chosen babies, child of the hotel. So he knows that they have to be um, treated in a certain way, and he doesn't say with respect. He says like babies. So I think he knows what's yeah. coming towards him, not necessarily what's going to happen with this particular batch of uh, uh, guests but you know that he has been working in this industry for a while he knows what he's gonna do and uh, he knows what to do he knows how to treat his guests and he's very accommodating and yeah charming yeah because you but know there's definitely one there's one guest amongst this batch that's gonna sort of yeah be resistant to his typical uh <laughs> style and I think you're going to see that he's not really able to improvise that well. No, I'd say. no, because this is a pretty <laughs> bad batch of guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the best group of people. No, um, no. So, yeah, at the beginning thought is like, you know, and you kind of I think uh, from the first episode, I've kind of rooted for him. And maybe yeah, the more the series goes, the more you kind of become a little bit less understanding of his actions but you still root for him i think yeah he makes some big mistakes he makes one enormous error in this first episode um regarding a character who we won't see again after the first episode but um yeah he uh he's definitely the one that's easiest to root for yeah um with one exception, actually, a character that I was really rooting for when I watched it, and in doing the prep for, for this podcast, I've turned against them <laughs> through thinking, kind of overthinking um, the season. So we'll, we'll sort of discuss who that okay. is as it goes on. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's go into, so that's sort of our main look into the running of the hotel is through yeah. Armand. But the other sort of main hotel employee that we're going to spend time with is probably, I would say, the most relatable 
or at least you would want to be relate feel relatable to and the, certainly the most sympathetic character mm. in the show um natasha rothwell's yeah. belinda yeah who is the spa manager at the resort yeah i think she's the and, one that um, you i personally felt less like i i i felt sympathy for throughout the show and i didn't never kind of change my mind about her and I think yeah, she does I don't everything. Think, I mean, without spoiling it, I don't think at any point she does anything particularly that would turn anyone against her. She no. just sort of No, the more the show goes, succeed. the more you're gonna you wanna you you root for her, I think. Mm. <laughs> like maybe the big the first episode she's quite cold, but then the more you see the sh- the more the show goes on, the more you're like, oh, you know, you feel She has to be cold in this environment because Yeah, absolutely, because if not happens what happens to her absolutely and then um we spend time throughout the season uh with a couple of other hotel employees uh in this first episode that we'll talk about in a minute there's Lani played by Jolene yeah. Purdy um who sort of symbolizes i guess sort of she she's in this very first episode she goes through a plot line that we'll discuss in more detail soon but i guess it's sort of used to shake Armand she's Mm. there to kind of shake him out of his (coughs) sorry shake him out of his um almost robot like kind of way he Mm. he approaches the hotel he's got a sort of set schedule a set way he does things and he kind of lets everyone else pass by without noticing it and he really misses something big with Lani Mm. um what did you think of Lani because I was sort of once I realized we weren't going to see her again I was a bit sort of disappointed i could happily have seen her hang around um, for the full season in a way i like the fact that she was just there on the first episode to create straight away uh, a little uh earthquake in um before we start and then disappear yeah like i feel it's like that little crack going up the wall just before <laughs> yeah. the kind of full earthquake starts and i think it's a very <clears throat> brave and intelligent thing to do because you know you kind of start liking her straight away and you think she's going to be one of the main characters and then something happens and she creates this like little seismic thing and then she leaves and you don't see her again and i think it's really really amazing that somebody would just write a really a character that you can relate to uh and that brings such a big thing to the show for the the first like moment and then yeah. just go okay bye bye <clears throat> we don't need you anymore but yeah, she's the true. she's what created the first crack in um Armand yeah and uh Jolene Purdy I think one of the reasons I wanted to stick around is because I very very quickly recognized the actress as being um an actress who was in Donnie Darko mm, years yeah. and years ago yeah. Um. She plays one of Donnie's classmates and is mm. a character who doesn't really get any lines in the film, but is always there. And in the montage at the end of Donnie Darko, where you're mm. seeing all of the characters from the film kind of asleep, um, uh, while something horrific is happening uh, at the same time, she's mm. there as well. And she's really memorable in Donnie Darko without mm. having really much specifically to do in the film. Um, and I don't know, and that was like 2001, I think like Donnie Darko is an old film at this point, And this is the first time I've really seen her since mm. in anything since then. And I was like, Oh, it's the girl from Donnie Darko. And then obviously she's, uh, she's just here for the one episode, but she's good. Another hotel employee that we'll spend time with, but not much until um, the sort of latter half of the season is uh, Kai played by Kakoa Scott Kekumano. 
mm-hmm. who's um we'll talk more about him and what he does and what he what his role in the show is uh, as we get to it but he's very good in this i think yeah um yeah and then let's move on and have a little look at some of the guests let's start with the biggest group of people um the mossbacker family yeah <laughs> <laughs> an incredible group of people yeah um you've got nicole the uh the mother the sort of matriarch of the family yeah. played by connie Britton who's um, wonderful in this and wonderful in plenty of other things. I've never, mm-hmm. I always, I, I've seen Connie Britton in a couple of things recently and been like, oh, she's brilliant. What have I seen her in? And then I look and she's been in loads and loads of stuff, but hardly anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but she always leaves a big impact up mm-hmm. when I do see her pop up in something that I've watched. Um, she plays, yeah, Nicole Mossbacker, who's a CFO for effectively Google. It's not ever, it's never named to be Google, but she's ah. sort of, I guess so, she yeah. works for a search engine company. Mm, yeah. Um, and they clearly have a lot of money. So you can imagine that if it's not Google, it's this world's equivalent to Google. Yeah. Um, which would explain why she can afford to take her family to a hotel that must, I mean, the room they're in must be the four grand a night room because it is enormous. Um, yeah although but notably not big enough for the entire family. Exactly. That's, that's the thing. It's just like, if you have that much money, you, you still don't have enough room to have, your daughter, your son, and, you know, the friend. Yes, it's weird, isn't it? There's, they're yeah. in a room that's got one bedroom, I guess. They're in a, they're in a suite that has one bedroom. And that's the thing. It's but just, they're a family weird. of four, and they've brought a, a friend with them as well. Yeah. Um, but they're deeply selfish people who only yeah. care about themselves, even yeah. in, even within their own family. Yeah. Um, uh, Nicole isn't married to um, <laughs> Mark. Yeah. Who is, I don't know, does he have a job? Is he the house husband? Is he sort of the, we don't uh, living know. a life of leisure? Uh, we just, we don't know anything about him. Uh... He's played he's played by Steve Zahn, <laughs> yeah. who's an actor that I've never particularly had a lot of time for, but he's good in this. Yeah. But yeah. he's an actor who's easy to dislike. He put he he can play characters that are very easy to dislike, and my God, Mark is... Uh, absolute waste of time <laughs> but we'll get into it more as we go but i one of my least favorite characters i'd say in this is is mark mossbacker yeah what do you think well he's um uh he really has no worries in life uh no. he's married to somebody that i guess provides for him and because he has no worries in life it feels like he finds uh, he finds issues and problems in anything. I think I I don't think he does work, and I think that kind of makes him a little bit um not sure about himself. Uh, his wife is more a uh, success more in in this case. If you think about uh this capitalistic thing, she's more successful than him, and he's just a big baby, isn't he? He is an enormous baby. Like man. anything, um, uh, the, the 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 episode starts that he's scared that he's got um, a serious illness, and yeah. he. Oh, and we see much more of him than I ever would want to yeah, see. Yeah, and you see a big shot <clears throat> of his scrotum, which is not oh. fun. Uh, it's horrible, isn't it? And yeah. he just, you know, he just is a big baby with no responsibilities and finds. And in a way, he feels emasculate, emasculated. Is that the word? Emasculated. Yeah, emasculated. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that's his that's his running theme throughout the whole show is yeah. dealing with emasculation. The, the things he discovers and finds out about himself and um his his heritage yeah. um early on in the season sort of send him on a on an odd spiral. Yeah. Um that just highlights how how selfish he is. Yeah. And just like his his um the rest of his family. Um moving on, we've got um where where are you? Where have you gone? Here we go. Fred Heshinger plays Quinn Mossbacher, mm-hmm. their socially awkward son. Yeah. Who we'll talk more as we go through the show with Quinn, because he's an odd one where he doesn't have a specific story that 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 is that complex or detailed that goes through the whole show, but he sort of is also the character that goes on the biggest journey. Yeah. I would say. Mm. Um he's an interesting one, Quinn. He doesn't get on he very clearly doesn't get on with his family no. particularly and uh, in particular his sister, yeah. Olivia, played by Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. Who um I don't think I've seen Sydney Sweeney in anything before, but is she, is she in Euphoria? Yeah, she's it... in Euphoria, yeah. So how did you find her in this compared to in Euphoria? Um uh, in uh well, not very different. Um I like her more <laughs> here. Uh but I think because it's kind of a typecast casting. Uh, she's the daughter um, of. Well, no, I guess she, I I prefer her here because mm. you know we, I. But um, she's uh, the daughter uh, that takes drugs and has got an attitude uh, and doesn't get along with her parents. So um, I guess um, she you she can't really play it very differently because it's similar yeah, situations. So, um, although I feel her range is better here because in Euphoria, it was more about like her sexual side. This is more, um, maybe a little bit more, uh, well, she, 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 she reads a lot of books and she's very, uh, highbrow in this one and has got an opinion about everything. I guess that's the main difference between the two characters, but I don't think she could have played it very differently. Do you mean she reads a lot of, she reads a lot of books in The White Lotus? Well, it feels like because I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you on that one. It feels like well, that's the thing. No, well, I'm not. It feel it looks like they're reading a lot of books, but every I don't day, think she reads a single word in this. Season. Every day is a different book, and every day yeah. is it's like they're holding the books as props. But in in but they theory, percent props. In theory, looking at them, they are a little bit more. Uh, like if I was just comparing the characters between her and Euphoria no, no. and here, so, but yeah, I probably don't read much, or maybe they read. It just doesn't go in. Maybe it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. read they just word read by the word. Same word over and over again. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. I would imagine. Um. So yeah. So Olivia um is the daughter, and she's been allowed to bring a friend, Paula, played by Brittany mm-hmm. O'Grady who um, is um, of mixed race heritage. Um, Mm. Her mother is African-American Creole from Louisiana and her father is white with Irish ancestry. So in this ensemble of basically exclusively um, white people, Caucasian actors, she is um, sort of notably not, um, which is only worth mentioning purely because it it is sort of seems part of the remit of the show to explore her slight otherness and then how she fits in with um, this this group of people and how she fits into this world and how different or similar she is to the rest of the uh, the people. 
what I think about like, first of all, I think she's she's a really good actress. Um, she and the same with Sydney Sweeney. I'm not. I wasn't. I wasn't saying that she wasn't good because she played similar characters. She plays similar characters because they are similar people. But yeah. um, the fact the fact that they found somebody that is so um, because although she's got black and white ancestry, she's um, she's very ambiguous how she looks. She doesn't necessarily you can't really pinpoint. Yeah, where she could come from, and I think that's a really good casting. Because mm. you you don't because she's gorgeous and she's got this incredible face that you're not really sure it could be anything and I think that's maybe really important to her character as well or maybe I'm reading too much into it I'm not sure but um she could be also Hawaiian if you look at her yeah yeah she could be like South American she could be she could be East Asian she could be anything she's got this incredible face that i think she could be anything and and i think she could represent all the people that are not represented you know what i mean mm-hmm. but i don't know if it yeah. was on purpose <laughs> but i in a way i saw her i saw how she looks really in a way in a really kind of positive in a really important way yeah yeah and she is she is very good in it and paul is a sort of really mm. good character that is interesting to track her across the series because she sort of does definitely go on a bit of a journey. Yeah. Um, although some of these journeys are quite cyclical um, and tend to end maybe where they started um, and some yeah. of them aren't. So we'll see kind of how that goes as we go through, who kind of manages to move on and who doesn't. So that's the Mossbacker family and their, their guest Paula. We've gone for the uh, employees. Let's discuss the newlyweds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have um, Shane Patton, played by yeah. Jake Lacey, who I most well know, I most well know, who is most yeah. well known to me, um, as he played a character in the final season of The Office, The American Office. Yeah. Um, almost sort of in a way, he plays an intern, I think, and he, you could almost see the evolution of the character he plays in that becoming uh, the Shane that we know from this. Although that character probably didn't come from quite such a privileged background. But Shane is a real estate agent. Um, but I think I imagine the kind of real estate agent that exclusively deals in mansions would yeah. be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's there on honeymoon with his wife, poor uh, Rachel, played yeah. by Alexandra Daria. Alexandra Daria, yeah. She, I like Alexandra Daria a lot. <laughs> She's good. Yeah, I don't like her here, but I like her. Well, I like her, the actress. Yeah. Alexandra Daria. Yeah. From films such as Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh. Yeah, where she's Leatherface's cousin. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> along with, um, you know, better things that she's done uh, along with this. Uh, Rachel uh, does not come from the same sort of privileged background as a lot of these other no. characters. She's kind of exploring this world and getting to grips with this world because she's had something of a whirlwind romance with Shane. Yeah. Um, and they've gotten married fairly quickly. And... Um, she's sort of experiencing what it's like to be married to someone from this strata of society for the first time. She's a journalist, but um, I think when we say journalist, she is, she writes lists for Buzzfeed is kind of the level mm. of journalist that yeah. she, she is, which isn't, if that's something that somebody does and it brings them joy and love in their life, then that's yeah. absolutely fine. But I think that Rachel would like to believe that she is maybe yeah. more than that. <clears throat> mm. 
um and we'll see that as, as this as the show goes on and then i think finally the last notable character to discuss before we get into the actual plot of the first episode is tony mccoy yes the closest the white lotus gets to having an actual cartoon character in its cast um played by the 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 absolutely spot on perfect probably the best performance in this i'd say early doors yeah there may be performances that are better but it's hard to sort of bring one up immediately she does incredible work in this jennifer coolidge jennifer plays tonya Jennifer Coolidge, known to my generation, most sort of famously as uh, Stifler's mom in American Pie. Um, But she's also done great work with Christopher Guest over the years in his kind of faux documentaries. And I've been watching recently, because it's just hit Netflix, uh, Seinfeld. And Mm. uh, her first ever TV appearance is in an episode of Seinfeld. And she's almost unrecognisable. And it's only about five years before she played uh, Stifler's mom. Wow. But she doesn't have her sort of trademark blonde hair. She has she's sort of um brunette in the episode of Seinfeld that she's in. But she plays a masseuse and uh, she's very, very funny in it. And you can certainly see, I think it's one of her earliest on-screen performances at all. Um, but yeah, she's she's good. She's good and um, always worthwhile. Mm. Are you looking her up in Seinfeld or are you just... Yeah, I'm looking her up on <laughs> Seinfeld because, uh, yeah, she does look different. Wow. Right? She looks very different to what... Yeah. Like, just... That, I think that's like 1993 and I think it was 99 maybe that American Pie yeah. came out. So cool. just about six years later and she looks totally, totally different. I, 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 I love her. Yeah, she's wonderful. She's absolutely brilliant. Um, mm. if I remember, I'll, or, or, well, I will remember, I'll put a link in the show notes for this episode to an interview she did with the Guardian, uh, around the, the sort of airing of the White Lotus, where she mm. discussed kind of how challenging she found the coronavirus pandemic to be. And she, I think Mike White wrote this role for Jennifer Coolidge and she, wow. um, didn't want to do it because I think she kind of didn't want to leave her house. Mm. She'd become very kind of isolated, uh, through the lockdown and stuff. And she was quite scared to go back out into the world. Um, and it was Mike White who eventually convinced her to kind of come and do the white Lotus and play this character. And it's Amazing. great that he did because she mm. is spectacularly Incredible. good in it. Um, um, and yeah, she's simply described her as a troubled woman whose mother recently died. And I think that's uh, as much as we need to yeah. say about her yeah. at the start. But yeah, those are our, that's our main sort of cast. That's who we're working with in The White Lotus. Anyone else you want to mention? Yeah, uh, well, there's... Um, um, with Lani, uh, Lani, who creates a little earthquake, uh, there's also... Um, Lucas uh, Gage uh, that plays Dylan and he's a worker in the White Lotus and he kind of helps um, a little bit to carry on this uh, um, self-destructive for the the downfall of um, Armand maybe or yeah he's kind of there with Armand throughout and, and Armand yeah. sort of um, using him doesn't doesn't yeah isn't his best self yeah. when it comes to yeah. to um is it Dylan? Th- is he called Dylan? Is he Dylan, Dylan, yeah. And I think I think Dylan, that's yeah. car- that character is kind of like it does is not important but also plays a an interesting role in the series. Uh, yeah, and he's sort instead of instead of helping Armand with issues, he 
um what's the word he um uh, what's the word when you're like you don't help but you do the opposite entice people yeah um, he sort of um ah, exacerbates a, the problem or there's I a specific word. The, the right word but yeah he yeah he he doesn't yeah instead of saying Armand you shouldn't do this he goes he kind of like ah oh, there's a word he encourages it a little bit yeah but there's a word per, the no, proper no, word no, but no word. but yeah he encourages Armand's bad behavior and I think, yeah, uh, yeah he's important in that sense. Um, yeah, that's very true. And there's the, also Molly Shannon, who will turn up in the second half of the season. So we'll talk more oh, about yeah. her yeah. then. But yeah, so we know that, we definitely know that there are two characters that may be uh, Paula and um, uh, Rachel that are not necessarily in the same wealth that every all the other guests are yes absolutely particularly yeah. rachel paula yeah. we learn a li- we don't learn quite as much about paula's background do we no uh, but she's definitely not from quite she's probably from privilege but not the exceptional privilege that yeah. um that olivia's family uh lives in yeah so let's get into episode one which is fittingly titled arrivals, arrivals. um although Ironically, for an episode titled Arrivals, we begin in the departures lounge of um, uh, an airport in Hawaii, and we see a coffin being loaded onto an airplane. Yeah. Yeah, who is inside? And then we see sat on a chair in the departures lounge is Shane Patton, Mm. um, looking shell-shocked and a little bit miffed. Yeah. And... um, Two very kindly old elderly people sit opposite him and begin to question him in a very polite and sort of casual manner about his holiday. Yeah. Um, and I think he reveals that he was there on his honeymoon and he was yeah. staying at the White Lotus. They say they heard somebody at the White Lotus died, which immediately makes us go, ah, okay, well, yeah. there's the coffin. And then they ask him how his honeymoon was and he tells them to F off. Yeah. Or to leave him the F alone. What did you think... Of the reaction of um, of uh, the two other guests, so they say, "Oh, we heard somebody died," and yeah. and then he replies, "Yes," and then they say, "Oh," and then it's like that person didn't exist, and then they ask, "Was your honeymoon everything that you expected?" Or yeah, yeah, yeah. They should just for? move on from it like, as if it doesn't matter. Somebody died. Yeah, and it feels like that already sets the fact that certain things in this kind of like real, in this kind of like world that is it don't matter. Or somebody died, but was your honeymoon good? So the honeymoon is more important than somebody's death, and I think that is really for me personally really poignant of how the show starts. Apart, yeah, that doesn't matter. Might actually be an early hint at the identity of the body. Yeah, maybe. Yes, you're yeah. right. Um, but, yeah, so I thought but that was. We are, I think, as an audience, you are now being primed immediately to suspect that it is Shane's uh, newly yeah. wed wife who mm-hmm. is in the coffin. Yeah. But equally, I immediately kind of. I felt like that's the one person it's definitely not going to be because. Mm. I don't think you would make a six-episode TV series about who who has died and then have it be that most obvious route one answer. Yeah, but, but I thought it would have been, by at one point I thought oh, it could have been 
maybe it's going to be no one that we even know about, like a chef that we see once, you know. Yeah, that could have been. I thought, I thought been... that was going to be like, oh, because you expect, oh, who's going to die of these characters? And then, I don't know, yeah. the more show, the show goes on, you go, oh, maybe maybe it's just like... No one. No one. Maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's not, yeah. And maybe it doesn't matter like th- how the other couple dismissed the fact that somebody died. Maybe it doesn't matter, like maybe somebody that you never even seen or you only heard the name. So, yeah. Um, very, very true. Mm. So... So yeah, so that's kind of the opening thing. And this this kind of immediately I'm a sucker for something like this. This hooked me in immediately, like, oh, who's died? Who's in the coffin? Could be anybody. Um But it is amazing because you go back and you find out everything. I I like that as well. I think that's a good uh, Yeah, definitely. Like is it is is this called is it called uh, (laughs) Is it a flashback? Everybody Well it's sort of a flashback. flashback or is it is it is it in media res when you start a story mm. in the middle of it or near the end and then you go back to the start and show? I think it's called in media res. I'm going to anyway, say yes. I'm not a professional. <laughs> um, so we cut back seven days earlier to yeah. the arrivals that we've got. Our guests are on a boat headed towards the shore. Um, to stay at the White Lotus, and immediately we have two characters. Um, observing the other guests and commenting on who they believe they are, setting me up to think that these two characters were going to be a sort of Greek chorus throughout the series, yeah. commenting on events, which is actually absolutely not who no. they are at all. No. But uh, it is, of course, Olivia and Paula mm-hmm. um, describing uh, Olivia describing her own parents as running an international paedophile ring or <laughs> something to that effect, I think. <laughs> I think very quickly you realise that they're just being... Almost performatively being disaffected teenagers. Yeah, yeah. They're sort of they're very intentionally doing a role. I think as like kind of um, disaffected, uninterested teenagers. Definitely. Um, that don't like their their oh their parents or you know the people in charge. Um, and then so they're not the impressed with where they are because that's the thing. They're on no. a boat towards an island. Like the scenery yeah. is probably beautiful, like, but it's like they don't care that they're there, yeah. which yeah, is no, insane. And that's kind of show, like, for me, it shows like they're just not, they've seen this all the time and whatever. Yeah. They rather talk about people there instead of like enjoying the fact that they're in Hawaii on a boat. Yeah, yeah, they'd very much rather people watch, which is a yeah. theme, I think, because we were talking earlier about their books, later when we see them by the pool. Uh, yeah. They're holding books, but I think what they're doing is they're watching everyone yeah. around them. Yeah. Um, And not in any sort of way where they're, like, interested in the lives of other people. They just want to laugh at other people. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, We see glimpses of the rest of our main cast of uh, of guests here. You know, Tonya's on the boat. Jennifer Coolidge is there, looking um, sort of glamorous and mm. yeah, mysterious. And uh, of course, Shane and Rachel are there, looking like to all the world like the happiest honeymoon couple oh, of all yes. time. Of course. Um, and then they get to the shore where they're greeted by Armand. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get our first kind of look at Armand as he sort of prepares Lani for her first day on her on the job at the White Lotus and he, he's telling her about um what we were saying earlier about how you know they have to be they want to be seen they want people they want you know they're like babies they just want to be yeah. kind of mollycoddled and and shown that people are there to see them 
Um, and he notices that, and that the, and very much that the resort employees should not be seen. That's kind of the, yeah. dyna- the dynamic that Armand subscribes to, and that these big resort hotels do subscribe to, is that the guests want to be seen, and the resort employees should not be seen, um, and should not stand out in any way. Which mm. is why Armand is uh, disturbed when he looks at Lani and realizes she has a stain on her shirt. Yes. <laughs> Um, that he takes to be mayonnaise, but that we um, sort of quickly learn is that not is, mayonnaise. That's not mayonnaise. <laughs> no, it's not mayonnaise at all. Um, and uh, his solution is just to tell Lani to, she's got a tray with hot towels on it that she's held holding at sort of just about waist height, slightly higher than waist height. And uh, Armand's solution to this unsightly stain is to tell her to hold the tray so that it blocks <laughs> the stain, resulting in her looking absolutely absurd (laughs) with this tray hold up right up to her chin with hot towels piled up on it like she's a sort of um i don't know uh like like she she just looks absurd basically um so they arrive and um there's a sort of a notable moment the guests are all arriving shane and rachel walk up and Armand, um, who's obviously prides himself on knowing the guests before they arrive and, mm-hmm. and being able to kind of recognise them without having to ask their names, he yeah. says, "Ah, oh, Mr and Mrs Patton. And Rachel has this little moment where she kind of almost questions Armand on whether she should be using her new surname or not. Yeah. What did you think to that bit? Well, that moment, you, she still wants an identity and her identity is her name. And she hadn't thought before that. Once you marry this man, your identity. So I think it's the first time that she has a a glimpse to the fact that maybe she's going to lose her identity. What does it tell you about somebody who hasn't considered this until the honeymoon? If they haven't discussed this before getting married, then their relationship is already kind of superficial. Yeah, yeah, it does quite a lot of character building, I think, yeah. quite quickly. Yeah, and also the way like... Alexandra Daddario plays it is quite endearing immediately as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, well, she, they, haven't, they hadn't considered it, so that means it's superficial. They're not really, they don't really know each other. Yeah. Because um, I guess this is something that you discuss before you get married. Are you going to yeah, change you your name? Yeah, you think so. Yeah. You would, you would assume so. But um, this is the first time that you go, oh, maybe... Maybe whatever was happening on the boat, which is all kissy-kissy, lovey-lovey, is not necessarily the truth. Yeah, definitely. And um, we also, uh, Tonya arrives, has an un- uh, just an impossible amount of suitcases. Yeah, <laughs> for one Nobody week. can have that many suitcases <laughs> no. for one person. Uh, for one and, week. and just immediately announces that she needs a massage. Not yeah. that, no, not that she want, but not that she wants a massage, that she needs a massage. Yeah. She absolutely has to have a massage. Yeah. There's no way she can go through any more of her day without a massage. No. And I think immediately as well, this tells you straight away that Tanya is a person who has been on holidays like this many times and she has no interest in the sort of... No. Niceties immediately. Nothing. She's not an unpleasant. She's not being rude or unpleasant. She's no. just very much like... I need a massage, please. Yeah. Can you get me a massage? Yeah, this is this is um, nothing new to her. Like, if me or you would be there, they would be like, oh my God, what is this? Ah, yeah. like mouth open. and But she just she just doesn't even look around. Like, this it's is like, normal to now, them. It's time, like please. them going to a hostel. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
Exactly. Yes. Whereas I'd be like, what? There's a there's a spa as well <laughs> with the the possibility of a massage at some point. <laughs> you can't be serious. No. Whereas this is no Tanya's much more now. Now yeah. give me a massage. Um, uh, which which immediately kind of puts on a trajectory to interact with Belinda, the resort yeah. manager, and we'll come back to that a bit more later. Um, although Belinda does help or does end up sort of helping Tanya up to her room. Um, and there's just a great little moment in Tonya's room where she arrives and then has an absolute freak out about having lost this white plastic bag. Yeah. Um, announces immediately it contains her mother's ashes, which obviously makes Belinda have start to join in the freak out. And then very quickly the bag is found. It was like behind another suitcase. Yeah. It was not hidden. It was not even hidden. Tonya just is somebody who doesn't really look. She just expects other people to, um, yeah. to sort of solve her problems, I would, I'd say. She seems like that. Um... Shane and Rachel arrive in their room. Um, before we discuss any of the ins and outs of the room they're in, or like why they're in that room, just the room that they arrive in. If you were to to arrive into that room, what would your thought be? Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Your thought would be this, this is the most incredible is space than my I've apartment. ever been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is look bigger. at this the room view. Is, bigger. is the mini bar full of free booze? Can yeah. we, ca- we are a married couple, let's use the shower. You know, like, just anything but whatever. Because what Shane very quickly realises is that this is not the pineapple sweet. No, this is not the and pineapple sweet. so begins the suite. first utterance of the phrase pineapple sweet, which must be spoken more than any other <laughs> word in this entire series. Yeah. Because I think Shane says pineapple sweet about once every 10 minutes in this, yeah. in this throughout the entire season of TV. Yeah. Um, Shane, did a, Shane did a virtual tour of the room before they arrived. It was of the pineapple sweet. He knew it was the pineapple sweet because, as we will learn much later on, the pineapple sweet has pineapples all over the walls. Yeah. Um, and this room does not have pineapples all over the walls no. because do you know what? It's nicer than that. Exactly. It's not as Much gaudy nicer. as that. Um, Shane goes down, talks to Armand. Armand immediately turns on the sort of charm that he was talking to Lani about earlier, where he's sort of saying, you know, there's been a mistake, but we'll do this, 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 and this to make up for it. And basically, Shane isn't accepting anything less than being in the pineapple suite. Um, but he doesn't say there was a mistake, like the mistake. And I think that's the first error that Armand yeah. does. He, there's no mistake from the hotel perspective, but it's a mistake yeah. from the booking from his mother. And yes. I think if Armand really believed what he said on the beach, that you need to like accommodate him, da 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 he yeah. should have admitted to the mistake himself and yeah, apologised. Right. And I think that's the first thing that it's kind of like, he goes, oh, we're like to be seen, but not heard or not seen. And, you know, we're, and, but he, for the, he's the first that breaks that rule. That's very true, actually. Because I Cause, guess something about Shane just turns him off him immediately. Exactly. He doesn't like Shane. Very but you should, he should have been like, oh, oh my, oh, this is a mistake we've done. We'll give you free champagne, you know, free champagne for the rest of the thing or free, whatever. But yeah. he doesn't. But he's trying to keep up this balancing act of placating Shane while also yeah. not implicate, implicating the hotel in any error. Uh, yeah, but the customer is always right. And that's what he was, yeah. tra- you know, not in this case, but, but it, it is because 
the hotel made a mistake. But I think that's the first crucial mistake that Armand does is yeah. that he doesn't, he wants to fight against a win against somebody that is in society on the on a higher step of the ladder than him. Yeah, cannot be beaten. No. Um, and I, I think that's the crucial moment where you go, what now that I watched the entire season, I think that's the moment where you go, oh. Yeah. And and crucially, how does what does Shane do to try and solve this problem? Who does he turn to? Oh, mummy. Mummy. He turns mummy. to mummy. He's mummy. mummy. Um, we'll see much more of mummy as we go through the series, but um, yeah. Shane is Shane is clearly the sort of person who um has one way that he deals with problems, and it is to get mummy involved. So yeah. that starts to happen. Um. Uh, and then we, I don't know if I'm going through this exactly chronologically as the episode happened, but the next kind of event I've got here is, uh, Tanya can't have a massage. The spa is fully booked, but because Belinda is a lovely, accommodating, Mm -hmm. wonderful person who is probably feeling quite sympathetic to Tanya having, having learned that her mother's died, um, instead does, provides a different sort of service. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even quite know how to describe what happens here. I think it was like a healing mindfulness moment. Yeah, it's a sort of chanting yeah. mindfulness thing. Yeah, it's 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 it looks very nice. It's it's fairly. Um, I don't know. To me, it comes across as a little trite in terms of uh, it's a little bit cliche, but it absolutely blows tonya's mind yeah yeah um and the only reason i'm calling out for being a little bit cliche is just because it the the, the react the, the the effect it has on tonya is is incredible yeah it's as if she's just experienced a rebirth mm-hmm. um through maybe as i'm was saying feeling seen you know this isn't a massage it's something different that she hasn't experienced before and she probably it makes her it immediately makes her feel very connected to belinda who yeah. I think is just trying to do something nice for this person she feels quite sorry for because Tonya yeah. does Tonya's very privileged but she also you immediately sense that she's not very um I don't know she she's vulnerable she feels yeah. like a vulnerable person Yeah and you feel so, sorry for her and you know and um she needs someone you know that you can feel that she's lonely Yeah yeah uh, and, and it's yeah. a bizarre, and in fact, let's just pause at this moment just to, because it's this is a lot of weird noises going on. It's made me just remember the unseen cast member of this show that makes it perfect is the the score. Mm. This show has an incredible yeah. score. Yeah. Um, the music was done by Cristobal Tapia de Villa, uh, a Chilean-born Canadian film and television score composer. And... Um, it's just it's just full of these kind of almost found sounds, mm. animal noises, heavy breathing and panting. Yeah. And um it kind of it's what gives the White Lotus its unique feel. Like we've seen you know, they've the TV shows have been made about rich people in hotels before, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But this feels like its own beast, and a huge part of that is down to um the score that runs through it, I would say. Um so yeah, I think that's pretty great. Da, 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 da. Um, we cut to Nicole Mossbucker arguing um, 
with Mark, who is reveals that he is worried he has cancer. He's yeah. waiting for a call from the doctor. They argue about time zones and don't really seem to hear each other, which is a no. Um, a no. common theme running through. Um, we see Olivia and Paul are lounging by the pool, and yeah. um, they're reading a book. It, they're they're, they're Nietzsche and Freud <laughs> or something. It's like yeah. really these these absurd sort of intellectual books. Yeah. Um, which is not what you would take on holiday, I don't think. No. Generally. Well, yeah, um, you never know. Like, it might be something that relaxes them, but it's, uh, I think they're holding a book and looking at the pages more than reading the book. Yeah. And because they're college yeah, students, they think they are maybe wiser than they actually are or want to yeah. show. Yeah, which is personified by uh, Rachel, comes up to talk to them, uh, says uh, they saw her on the boat, she reveals that she's a newlywed, etc. And they just kind of laugh at her. Yeah, yeah. It's really horrible. Yeah. It is horrible. However, she's an adult. And the way that... So, I I don't know, like, Alexandra Daddario is really good in this because she's an adult with a job... But she's still a kid because at the end of the day, having these two college students laughing at you, you should be like, what? But she gets really affected by them. Mm. Yeah, she does. And you're at the age that it doesn't shouldn't really matter. And no. why are you talking to them? Why are you indulging these kids in, in a conversation? Because it's 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 weird. It's a weird dynamic because maybe she feels like she's look. She gets affected by them because maybe she doesn't feel like she belongs there, but they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. So you the this episode is really good to kind of understand what kind of character she is and start feeling sorry for her. You kind of feel sorry for her. You're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very true. <laughs> um. But well, one person who should definitely feel sorry for her is is Shane. And uh, I think there's a point, I can't remember if it's this episode or the next episode, but there's definitely a point where she tells Shane that those girls kind of upset her. Yeah. And his response is to kind of go and flirt with them. I think we'll see this in in the next episode maybe. But Yeah, yeah. He sort of goes to flirt with them instead of like, yeah. you know, just ignoring them or, or not being friendly at all. Um, I think I, that, just I, I was just thinking about that because I think that's a look into the future of what their relationship is going to be like. The older they get, the more uh, Rachel's going to be at home doing her thing and he's going to be out flirting with young girls. I just thought that was yeah. like a kind of like a, what, you know, because he's already flirting with young girls when he's got a beautiful wife, gorgeous wife, yeah. and he wastes yeah. time with these two younger girls already. So, mm. Yeah, because he's awful. Um, yeah, he's awful. We, we also see, I think this might happen sort of around the time that Shane is haranguing uh, Armand for uh, um, the, the incorrect room issue. But uh, we see Lani, um, we, we, we find out she's pregnant, first of all. Yeah. Um, so it was not mayonnaise on her shirt. No. It was um, lactation. Um, yeah. 
milk and uh, her water breaks suddenly yeah. in the middle of the hotel. <laughs> yeah. Right next to Armand, who does yeah. not realise at all. No. And um, she sort of goes into a panic about it. And I think it's Belinda that ends up helping her or finding her initially. Oh, no, no, no. It's somebody else because then they go and get Belinda, don't they? Yeah. But basically, Lani goes off to try and deal with that. And Armand walks out, steps in her water. And yeah. just sort of is like, what is this? Why is this here? Um, doesn't just completely kind of unaware that one of his staff is um, is pregnant and about to give birth in his hotel. Um, yeah. So that begins to happen, and da, 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 da. um, yeah, and as the guests start to die and with over the meal, Lani's giving birth in Armand's office, uh, and Armand sort of has to go and find Belinda because she's got some sort of medical like, yeah. experience, at least in terms of she's the closest they've got at that moment in time. Um, and then yeah, Lani sort of proceeds to give birth, and it, this kind of all exists to really shake Armand. Into the fact mm-hmm. that, and he'll he'll obviously think back to that moment with the stain on the shirt and stuff, and he should he'll realize that he should have seen um, that one of his staff was in need, and he didn't sort of do anything to help and didn't notice. Yeah, uh, which really shakes him onto his core. Um, then after dinner, we see um, Mark uh, and Nicole are up in the bedroom. Mark gets mm. a call from his doctor, but is disconnected, so we'll have to wait. Um, for the next episode to find out what the result of his uh his diagnosis is, mm. and uh, Rachel and Shane, sort of there's a there's a repeated thing in this season of Rachel and Shane going back up to the bedroom, and putting the arguments of the day behind them and uh, sleeping together, having sex. Yeah. And um, that's that's how this episode ends. But notably, yeah. Shane is reading, and there, there's definitely a comment here. Shane is reading the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm. Uh, have you read that book no it's a very it's a popular science book um i think that the sub the sort of subheading of it is the power of thinking without thinking and i think it's all about um how, you know it's sort of pe- something people read when they want to be successful and powerful and um mm. yeah so i think it's quite a comment on um on a. Uh, on on Shane that he's reading this this sort of popular science book yeah um that's also quite old at this point I think it was published in two thousand five so yeah it's just a little extra bit of information about how yeah. awful he is um then we get to episode two yeah that so after episode, episode one, one how did you feel I was in I was in I was hooked yeah definitely I was I was enjoying it I was definitely yeah. like. I, I want to see where this goes. I like these actors and these yeah. characters are fascinating. And yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I was definitely hooked. Uh, I I thought it was it's just a, a, a amazing portrayal of like this kind of society, um, yeah. expecting things that. Um, you know, the room is like just Shane with the room is wrong and you just go straight away and saying this room is wrong. Uh, and um, and in a way, uh, Armand, like um, Armand acting how he did is kind of like how you would feel like you're so privileged that you can have this amazing room and you want, you're angry, you're, you know, honeymoon, you should be upstairs with your wife and instead you're like yeah. moaning about this honeymoon because this is owed to you. 
Yeah. 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 Life and, is uh, life for you is about making sure you get what you're owed and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you think about it yourself, there's a little bit of shade in all of us because, for example, you if um, find not about a room, but maybe something, you know, you get the wrong pizza, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and then you start you, you start saying, well, this is the wrong pizza. And then the waiter might say, oh, this is what you ordered. And you said, well, this is not what I ordered. And then if the, the, the waiter says, oh, um, oh, sorry, we'll make a new pizza. Then you go, oh, no, it's okay. We'll, we'll just figure it out. But if the yeah. waiter says, no, this is what you ordered, you go, no, this is not what you ordered. So you can have that interaction with anyone. And it, yeah, all, it, well, people the... don't like to feel like they're being gaslit. That's gaslighting effectively. Exactly. Isn't it? And that's what Armand does. Yeah, 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 yeah. And oh, yeah. I've I've noticed I've noticed recently more that businesses are will gaslight you at the drop of a hat. Yeah, yeah. No, and no, this isn't what happened. No, no, no. This it's like well, it is what happened. Yeah. I can see it's what happened. I yeah, know it's exactly. What happened. I've got the emails so... to prove it's what happened. Stop <laughs> telling me it's not what happened. Exactly. So as much as I dislike Shane. We all have been in that situation, maybe not with a four season, not maybe not with the like you know a four season hotel, suite. but we we have been in that kind of situation, and it's just like. But equally, have we not also been in the situation where we've ordered a twelve inch pizza and a fourteen inch pizza is delivered to our table, and we go, "Oh, okay, thank you very oh, much." Absolutely, I'll take the 14 absolutely. Inch pizza. Like absolutely. he doesn't have that. He's he's incapable of seeing that he's got the better room. Like his room is nicer yeah. than the one he should have. Yeah. Yeah. So there's almost yeah. a, I think some of us are more capable of like in these instances, if if the thing that you're being gaslit about is that you have a better thing than you thought yeah. you're getting, mm. maybe you just go, okay, fine, yeah. I'll take the better thing. But if Armand is so knowledgeable, knowledgeable about his job and how he says that he has to treat those people like the babies of the hotel, he needs to, yeah. he needs to give them something before he says that the mistake wasn't theirs. True, true. And true. and that's I the mean, thing. He, yeah, he does try to make them see, he does describe he does explain how the, the, the suite they have is better and stuff. Yeah. But yeah he doesn't really and, and, but do you much could, to you can acknowledge the mistake and say, I oh, I'm really sorry, there was a mistake from our part side. We'll give you a discount, we'll do this. But he doesn't. But yeah. the first episode kind of like your idea of the characters is very different. It's very, you know, you, I, I don't know. I felt sorry for Rachel a little bit. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, um, you have a, you kind of have an, an idea of what the characters are, which I think is going to be revolutionized the more you watch the, um, the season. True. All right. Should we get into episode two? Yeah. Episode two. Episode two. Episode two is titled New Day. A New Day. Day. A New Day. Um, I think one of the first things we learn here is Mark does finally manage to get in touch with his doctor yeah. and finds out that he does not have uh, testicular cancer, yeah. which is obviously a great relief for him. He will later in the episode, and we'll discuss it more when we get to it, uh, find out another earth-shattering piece of information <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that will sort of spiral him back towards kind of um, the negative side. Not that it, well, well, we'll discuss it as we get to it, but... <laughs> For now, he's elated. He's happy yeah. and delighted. He does not have cancer and he's yeah. going to be the best dad in the world. He's going to be such a good dad now. Yeah. Um. This is his decision that he's going to be a good dad. So he's going to spend time with Quinn. Yeah. Whether or not Quinn wants to spend time with his dad yeah. doesn't matter. 
yeah. because Mark is going to be a good dad. Yeah, because um, we forgot to say that Quinn is kind of like uh, a character that doesn't really get interacted with by his sister, his friend, or the parents. Like, Quinn is yeah, a guy Yeah, true. He's sort of, he's, yeah, yeah, actually, he's yeah, we didn't mention the at the end of episode one, he's sleeping in the in the kitchen, yeah. the tiny little kitchen. Yeah. Um, and we see him here at, 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 in the morning of the first day, uh, he's woken up completely. Um, he's basically boiled, almost boiled alive in, in this kitchen yeah. with the door shut and stuff, so he can't sleep in there. His sister won't let him sleep with with her and Paula in the huge living space. Yeah. So what's he going to do? We'll find out later. Yeah. Um, we cut to the breakfast area, the breakfast buffet. Shane decides to have what I can only describe as a spite breakfast where he piles his <laughs> plate as full as he possibly can with everything, almost as a message of like, if you're not going to give me what I want, I'm going to take <laughs> as much as I possibly can from you. Yeah. Ignoring the fact that it's all... You know, it's all included inclusive. It doesn't matter. They don't mm. care. But he's going to do that. So he has his spite breakfast and uh, calls his mother again um, to tell their travel agent to tell Armand off, which is just childish and pathetic, but never yeah. mind. Um, Rachel is considering taking a new writing assignment, which yeah. um, Shane isn't happy about. On, no. on a couple of levels one he doesn't want her to work at all he thinks he clearly thinks that she shouldn't have to work now because she's married to him again yeah. a conversation that would have been really good to have before, before the before getting married <laughs> yeah but um <laughs> so clearly mind. these two have not thought anything through yeah uh he thinks it's rude of her to interrupt their honeymoon with um yeah <laughs> With a writing assignment, which on in one way, I do, if I was on my honeymoon, I think I'd probably be slightly miffed if somebody, if if my partner did this. But equally, um, he's not sp- he's... giving her any attention. He's spending no. his entire time worrying about the pineapple sweet. So he's doing the same thing as her. Exactly. So, like, yeah. he, he's saying to her, oh, you know, this is a honeymoon, you shouldn't be writing. But the entire time, they're not together. If you notice, like, yeah. she's doing something, he's doing something else. They're never yeah. together. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be upset because I would want to spend time with, with yeah. who I'd married if I was on my honeymoon. He doesn't yeah. want to spend time with her, so no. why does it matter to him what she's doing with that time? Exactly. Because he's a controlling person. Um, yeah. He and then this is the thing that I think crosses a line in a big way. He offers to pay her to not do the job. He offers yeah. to pay her the equivalent amount to not take the take the job, which yeah. a shows that he sees the only value in work as being the money you get paid to do it. Yeah. Um, and B um just shows that he has absolutely no respect for her life outside of him, outside of mm-hmm. being married to him. He doesn't yeah. see it as being a value of any value at all, and she yeah. should drop the entire thing. Um, yeah. She's always had to worry about money and he's never had to worry about money. And this is sort of a big thing that's kind of um, yeah, setting them both off on their path throughout this episode. We then see Rachel later meeting Nicole. And uh, I think Rachel has seen Nicole earlier, maybe in episode one, and said that she wrote a, um, a sort of bio piece about Nicole at one point. Yeah. And um, Rachel kind of approaches Nicole and asks her for advice because obviously Rachel's going for this big thing about should she try to continue to have her own career? Should she just be Shane's sort of trophy wife? What direction should she go in? She sees this Nicole Mossbacker who she knows is this big, influential, powerful woman who has yeah. made her own way in the world and she wants advice. And um, 
Nicole gives her advice that you might yeah. find tattooed on the back of somebody's calf. Yeah. You might find it written inside a greeting card somewhere. Yeah. Um, you might see it up on somebody's wall in a little frame. She says, your independence is your power. Yeah. Um, and uh, Rachel Which is, obviously yeah. sort of laps that up. And then Nicole starts questioning Rachel about her job and realises quite quickly that Rachel is the journalist who wrote the article about her that she really clearly did not like. No. And then Connie Connie Burton <laughs> plays this scene perfectly where she yeah. turns 100% on yeah. Rachel, um, but without at any point raising her voice or... Yeah. But she is terrifying. She's absolutely yeah, terrifying. Yeah, it's an she, incredible scene. It's so, like, yeah. it turns, like, the, from a pleasant conversation to a mortifying conversation. Yeah, she completely breaks her down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and tells her she's a bad journalist, etc. Yeah. Uh, and Rachel ends up walking away from that conversation less certain of her future than yeah. she was before she entered it, which is absolutely not... Um, what she wanted instead of taking on her stride that she managed to feel make a woman that powerful feel threatened by her yeah and going oh maybe i am a good writer she believes her that's how yeah that's very true this character is but there is the there is the little touch that she sort of plagiarized a lot of the article yeah, from some yeah. other article it seems yeah. which sounds sort of not yeah. great. So yeah, but because maybe instead she of taking be. but but do we know that because instead maybe instead of taking responsibility for what she has written she has blamed somebody else possibly but I I if I remember exactly what happened she mentions this fact when she sees Nicole in the first episode yeah. that she had sort of plagiarised this article. I yeah. think she doesn't just say it as a defence to Nicole. I think she says it sort of when she's a bit calmer as well, just yeah. to Shane possibly. But either way, yeah, she's um sort of, I don't know, when I first watched, like this, when I first watched The White Lotus, because I like Alexandra Daddario so much and wanted to like Rachel, I sort of, and because she is presented a bit as the underdog and the outsider and not from that world of money, I sort of just wanted to be on her side as much as possible. So I was very oh, much sort of... No, I was like, no way. No way you're going to marry a man, not know if you're going to have a career, not know if you're... Like, I was just uh, from... I felt sorry, but also I felt like she was too weak. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're supposed to be this great writer that wants to be independent and wants to have a career. And the first moment your husband says... I'm sorry, but honeymoon or not honeymoon, if a job opportunity comes and you believe it's important, your partner needs to support you, of course. And you need to go, I'm doing this. You don't ask. You say, I'm doing this. But it was kind of like she's always, I feel like she's trying to find an easy way out. And for me, the beginning, for me, from the beginning, I just couldn't relate to her because I'm I'm not that kind of person in the sense of like, if you're in a couple, you understand your your um your dreams and goals and you go well this is a job and i have to do it like yeah. then we find out that you know at the end of the day um nicole is constantly working on her holiday yeah 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 nobody's nobody's going to tell her she's not allowed to work nobody's like going to tell her yeah and that's the, that's um, the point you know nicole is a very annoying character but also she is independent and she does what the hell she wants, but she works constantly, holiday or not yeah. holiday. Um, 
Shane continues to pester Rachel about the job and Rachel eventually abandons the job, which again is just notable because if if Rachel wasn't doing something that upset Shane, Shane would ignore her entirely. Shane yeah. would just go off and find something else to be irritated by. But because she's doing something he doesn't like, he's giving her all this attention. Yeah. Um, Because he only seems to be interested in things yeah. that are going to make him irritated. Because um, at the end of the day, they spend so little time together in this in this resort that she could have written the article in the time that he went to moan to his mother about something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so we spend some time in this episode as well with Olivia and Paula, who at one point do something that I feel like it, Mike White was sort of sat around thinking, what do young girls do together nowadays? And <laughs> the answer he came up with is that they do some ASMR. <laughs> so there's this fascinatingly strange scene where um for anyone who doesn't know asmr is when you sort of uh, very quietly whisper and sort of scrape the microphone and and, i've got a bit of wood here and i'm gonna i'm messing around with the can you hear that is it being picked up that's asmr um which is a very valid um people who respond to asmr sort of get goosebumps and tingles and I get a, I get a slight response to ASMR stuff when I hear it, but not. I think there are people who really really respond to it, um, and that's very valid and and absolutely fine. Um, but Paula and Paula and Olivia just sort of uh, flick lighters next to each other's ears and mm-hmm. um, tap on things, and they yeah. There's this just slightly unusual scene where they uh, do ASMR with each other mm. and uh, make sacrifices to Hecate. And uh, generally, I guess, do things that they... I, I feel like they do things that they think will freak out their parents, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, and then they do things that will, would actually freak out their parents because uh, they uh, go to the beach and just do a load of drugs. Yeah. But Paula's got this bag The, the funny thing is, is that ASMR scene, they go, yeah. oh, we don't have any drugs. Oh, where can we get drugs? And then... They're like, oh, but I've got this oxycotton. I've got this, and they bring out this oh, they've cocktail. Got a, they've got a huge number of drugs of uh, over-the-counter drugs, and it's just like, and it's just in a way it shows America how like a, they're like, oh, we don't have any drugs, but in reality they're full of drugs because they yeah. have a drug for everything, and it's just <laughs> it's weird. Because they they thought, oh, we don't have drugs. Oh, but I've got this for sleeping, this for anxiety, this for my ADHD. Yeah, and if we Those mix all... them all together, something will happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, that So they are completely high, out of their minds high, uh, when the worst person you would ever want approaching you when you're in that state approaches them. Tonya yeah. turns up and starts just sort of jawing at them about something they are incapable of handling. So they, they very quickly run away. Um, unfortunately leaving their bag full of drugs Mm -hmm. um, which um, basically ends up finding its way to Armand which is not great because we find out that Armand is five years sober he's a serious addict Mm -hmm. and um, the fact that he didn't notice that Lani was pregnant has left him absolutely teetering on the edge of sobriety at this exact moment he is presented with a big bag full of (laughs) drugs so um that's a big that's a big old temptation yeah. for uh for our mom yeah um uh we see later at dinner i believe uh paula flirting uh with a bus boy um who is kai who we will mm. see more of as the series goes on and this yeah. is the sort of the beginning of the relationship that's going to develop between paula and kai 
um, driving a big wedge between um, Paula and Olivia for various yeah. reasons, but and we'll learn more as we go on. But but basically because Olivia doesn't like Paula to have anything that's yeah. her own. Yeah. Um, so as well as this, we get an exceptionally awkward scene where Tonya has invited Belinda to dinner. Belinda desperately tries to say she can't go because yeah. she knows that she shouldn't really have dinner with the guests. But she also knows that her job is to please the guests. And at a certain point, she just has to say yes to Tonya. Um, otherwise, she risks Tonya sort of complaining about her. So um, then at this dinner, and this is the beginning of the most just upsetting subplot in this whole thing, uh, Tonya offers to fund a wellness centre mm. that would be run by Belinda because Tonya yeah. has that sort of money that she can just chuck about. Belinda yeah. very clearly doesn't. And, Belinda, and Belinda, obviously... Belinda has a very human reaction to it and kind of not doesn't ex- really accept straight away this because yeah. she doesn't want to, you know, she thinks it's too generous of um, Tanya to offer this. And so, you know, she, she tr- considers it, you know, she has to yeah. think about it. But she does start formulating a business plan and yeah. as the days goes on um, yeah. and Tanya becomes more reliant on Belinda, um, it will sort of build to a point until yeah. Tanya maybe finds something else to focus on. But yeah. we'll, we'll see that when we get to it. Um, Mark, after dinner, Mark um, calls his uncle to uh, tell him that he doesn't have cancer. Um, and through the conversation... Mark finds out that his father didn't die of cancer, like mm-hmm. he thinks. Mark's yeah. father died of the AIDS virus because Mark suddenly discovers on this holiday that his father lived a double life as a gay man, mm-hmm. um, which is going to have enormous knock-on effects for the entire Mossbacher family uh, as, the, as, the, as the episodes play out. Um it's it's a pretty interesting thing to reveal um and steve zahn plays it very well i think i was laughing quite loudly at this scene just because you could see how incredibly affected mark is by this news that um the person he thought he knew as his father actually had this entire separate life Mm -hmm. that he had no idea about that was what led to his death Mm. or what um you know what ultimately he died through his through his sort of through that of a life. Um, then we, we finally end the episode with Quinn being kicked out of the hotel room by Olivia and he decides yeah. that he's going to go to the beach and um, he sees some whales. He starts to connect with nature and he falls asleep on the beach. And that brings yeah. us to the end of episode two. How did you feel about episode number two? How how did it go for you? Um... I remember liking episode number two. I don't think there's there's nothing in episode two that really massively changes the uh, um the world. If yeah, you see what no. I mean. We sort I of move it's... through the second day. We learn a bit more about the characters, yeah. but it's not a huge episode in in the series. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like the calm before the storm. Yeah, yeah, I think a little bit. It's positioning the players on the board and mm. seeing where where they lie um, yeah. and kind of introducing a few plots, you know, this wellness centre that Tony's going to fund for Belinda. Yeah. Um, Mark finding out that his father died of AIDS is going to be have a big impact. Um, Rachel and Shane, it, it's, a fa- it, it's sort of just 
repeating the, the the themes of the first episode a little bit with those two yeah. i think um she gets knocked back a lot by the uh by the um conversation she has with nicole but beyond that it's um oh and 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 that bag of drugs ending up in armand's possession is is definitely yeah. gonna have a big impact yeah. so yeah things get moved around it's still good yeah. but there's there's better things to come yeah so um, i think it's kind of like putting things into you know yeah because it's a show position. that is on the rise constantly i would say yeah uh is, yeah is the white like the tide Oh yeah. What did you think of um Yeah, yeah. Um I feel I feel it kind of uh like I said, positioning the characters where they're supposed to be and how what's gonna happen. You kind of you know, um in the first episode, um uh Olivia and Paula are kind of on the same level. However, here you start you start seeing the cracks in their relationship because, you know, uh, Paula likes a boy and Olivia doesn't look like happy about it. Um, no. Alexander, um, Rachel wants to work and Shane is not happy about it. Um, yeah. And also up until the point where Paula clearly likes that boy, they've done a very good job of not really being clear exactly what kind of relationship Olivia and Paula are in. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's platonic, whether it's romantic, whether there's yeah. a sexual element to it, it it's yeah. sort of all played. Mm. It's all mixed up into this one hard to define thing which i think is probably yeah. you know fairly accurate to a lot of young relationships yeah friendships uh nowadays um yeah you know, yeah I, I think. It's, uh, yeah it's getting it's getting a quinn out of the room and so i, I yeah it's yeah. just the episode kind of like sets up um like the first episode kind of sets up the scene the second episode kind of sets up what's about to go south <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Um, so I hope everyone's enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. If you haven't watched The White Lotus yet, um, we've only spoiled watch the first it. two episodes, so before yeah. next week, you've got a chance to catch up and watch uh, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, please do come back and join us next week for our concluding uh, thing, where we'll talk about episodes two through six and give our final thoughts on The White Lotus as a whole. So if you've enjoyed uh, listening to our rambles, you can find more similar content on our social media pages in particular if you find you can find us on facebook and instagram where we're most active and uh, links to those social media accounts are found in the show notes of this and every single episode and uh, please do get in touch and let us know what you think of the white lotus um wouldn't that be exciting to hear yeah and, uh, yeah send us anything else that you would like to, to share as well and um, i'll see you next time have a good one thank you thank you bye bye